You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. All right, come with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. It's the, it's the uh, fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hold the horse while I climb on. <laughs> Gospel of John. It's just such a treat to be in church with my, my wifey. I never normally get to look down and see that beautiful face. She's always rostered to be somewhere. But tonight, she gets to be with me. Mm-hmm. All right. You're, you're there, John chapter 1. It says this. It says, in the beginning. Everyone say, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was, I want you to notice, it doesn't say it was, He was. The Word is a He. The Word is a person. Now, you guys are all smart because you got Pastor Drew and Emma teaching you down here, so you're already exposed to higher levels and greater levels of teaching. So when the Bible says He was, who's He speaking about? Jesus. See, you guys are already miles ahead, miles ahead of some of the other places. Golly. He was in the beginning with God, and that he is Jesus. Verse 3, all things were made through him. How many things were made through him? When, when it says all things, what does it mean? It means all things. So all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. No ocean, no sea, no dinosaur, no giraffe. All things that were made were made by him for him and through him. And then it goes on, in him was alive. I don't want to jump into that. If you go down to verse 14, it says, and we're not going to do that either, but it says that the word became flesh and the word is Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Tonight, uh, before I give you the title of my message, I just just want want you to understand that uh, I got saved on a beach. I, I didn't grow up in church. My, my dad was an atheist, so the head of the home decided there's no, not going to be any church, not going to be religion, not going to be any Bible in our home. So I never had a Bible growing up, never went to church, never had any religious exposure. But when I was 18 years of age, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ on a beach that changed my life. If I look back over my life, since the time I got saved when I was 18, my life has literally been uh, a join the dots of one encounter with God after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. All these encounters with God. Earlier this year, as you probably know, we were in Yerushalayim. We were in Jerusalem. We were in Israel. And uh, one of the craziest things happened, Marco. 3 a.m. I'm 52 now, so I, I, I wish I could make it through the night without having to go to the bathroom, but I can't. And, uh, but we're in, we're in Galilee. And, uh, and I'm laying there, and it's like 3 a.m., and, and, and it was like 108 degrees, I think, that day. And it's, but it gets cool at night. It got down to about 99 at night. And the air conditioning is only in the, in the hotel room. The bathroom, they don't bother to air because it just saves money, I guess. I don't know why. So, so I go into the bathroom, and I, I leave the door open so some cool air can come in. But the, the, door, the door to the... The hallway is right there, just adjacent to the door of the bathroom, which is now open. It's pitch black because I don't want to wake Zoe and I don't want to wake Leanne. 
in our room. So it's pitch black. And, and, uh, and if a man stands when he's, it's noisy. So I'm sitting down to not make any noise, not turn on any lights. It's called being considerate. Okay, so I'm trying to do that. So it's a true story, true story. As I'm sitting on the bathroom, the shower is straight across from me. And you know when you get out of the shower, you, there's, there's, a, there's a towel. But if you try and dry yourself with a towel, it's like it's too short. It doesn't wrap around. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a hotel. It's like, oh, I'll reach for the wrong towel. And it's, you know, it's meant to be a mat that you stand on. Well, that mat was on the ground. And Zoe had had a shower before bed. And you know when you get out of the shower, if the mat's perfectly flat, just your feet on it creates little wrinkles. Well, as I'm sitting on the, the bathroom, pitch black, door open to let cool air in, the door to the hallway is there. Under the door of the hallway, there's like a, a little gap, maybe like a little half-inch gap where the yellow light from the hallway is coming in. And the only thing that it hit is it hit this wrinkle that was in the mat. And when I looked at the ring, it was like everything was pitch black and there was this glow in the mat where the wrinkle was catching the light. And I looked at it and I did not know any Hebrew letters. And I looked and it was a Hebrew letter. Like I just knew, I'm looking and going, oh my God, that's a Hebrew letter. That's a, so the next morning at breakfast, I do a Google search on I just, you know, Hebrew letters and I brought up you know, the, the 22 Hebrew letters. And so I start doing a study on the, and then I see that it's the 21st letters of the letter Shan. And then later we're in Jerusalem and uh, there's a scripture. God says, Jerusalem is the place where I put my name. I'll put my name there. And then the, the tour guide, Avi, says, yeah, because if you look at Jerusalem, when they were taking satellite photos of Jerusalem, the satellite photos came back and everyone freaked out once we got satellite technology because they realized Jerusalem is a perfect letter shin. It has three, three mountains, mounts and three valleys. It is a perfect shin. And shin is the abbreviation of El Shaddai. And so you can imagine I've got, so, so I've, been on this, I've been on this little quest. I've been on this little quest. Now, so I've been on this little journey, okay? Little journey. So now this is where it helps you. This is where it helps you. I promise. The world will try and tell you, and sadly, sadly, it breaks my heart to say this, but sadly there is a lot of churches that preach a powerless gospel. They preach a gospel that is void of any power, that, 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 that you ought to come to church out of religious duty and obligation, that it's your duty, to, but do not expect God to help you or do not expect that you've got an advantage because on a Sunday you're in the house of God and, and uh, there's no advantage. You know, don't think that God's going to give you an advantage, but, but I don't believe any of that. I believe that the Bible will give you such that it's almost unfair when two people are going for, for a job interview and you're a Christian in the house of God, I'm telling you, there's an advantage over your life. When you face trials, when you face issues, when you get terminal diagnosis, you've got an unfair advantage. There is a power that is flowing towards you. Okay, now let me say all of that to say this. That when, when I watch movies, like if you watch any of the Harry Potter, which I don't recommend, but if you do, you will find that all the way through Harry Potter, there is a, there is a, they've got the little, you know, the little wands. And the most powerful spell is Avracadabra. They'll say, 
Avara Kadavra. And it's like no, no one can break it. It's like the most powerful spell, the most powerful spell. So the title of my message tonight is Abracadabra. Abracadabra. The reason that it's Abracadabra is because the, the, the word Abracadabra, believe it or not, comes from Hebrew. It is Hebrew in its origin. It comes from three, three, uh, three Hebrew words combined. Av, which is father, Ben, which is son, and Ha Kodesh, which is Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit make up the, the, the letters in this name. But literally, A-Bara. Bara is the word for create. A-I, create. A-Kadavra, as I speak. I create as I speak. The devil knows the Bible better than most Christians. He's been around for a few thousand years, so he's got a little bit of advantage. So don't beat yourself up. You may have only been on the planet 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, whatever. So don't beat yourself up. He's had thousands of years. He, he knows what's in it. So he tries to steal the things of God and then get them so, put them in a, in a witchcraft contest, context so that we reject and repel ourselves from them. But I want you to know, Avra Kadavra, I, I create as I speak, is actually a principle of God. Watch this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made through Him. Nothing was made without Him. Many, in fact, all the rabbis, all the Jewish rabbis believe this and, and because they don't believe in Jesus per se, that's why they're still rabbis, they believe that before Hashem, that's what they call God, because, because they, 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 they won't say yod hey vav hey. Uh, which is actually a, a, a Jesus, but that's another message. So they call him Hashem, which means the name. The name, Hashem, the name. They believe that before Hashem created anything, he created the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph Taf, or the Aleph Beit, 22 letters. That each letter has power, and it was with those letters that he created the universe. Just like, you know, salt. What is salt? Well, we know today that salt is NaCl. It's sodium chloride. We know that water is two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen makes water. In the same way, there, 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 is, there, is, this, there is this composition of the universe where everything comes back to the Hebrew. Now, they believe that, that, that the Word is what God created, through, but He created the Word. Well, we know because the Bible says that in Christ the veil is taken away. God didn't create the Word. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So you may say, well, hang on. That's just your opinion because you're a Christian. Well, glad you brought that up. So I want to show you from the very, very first verse of your Bible. If we can throw that, that picture up, that's going to greatly help. So this is the very, very first verse from the Bible. There's a little picture I sent through. Is it up there? Is it behind me? Oh, good. Oh, there it is there. Okay. So I want you to see here, it says, In the beginning, Barashit, Bara created Elohim. So we know, in the beginning created God. And then there's two letters there. Not, and notice, notice beneath them, they're not translated. These two letters are, uh, just seem to 
turn up in all these verses through the Bible. All these verses, but they're never translated. The, 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 the rabbis do not know how to translate these two verses, the, these two letters. It's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph, and it's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Taf. Now, in the book of Revelation 1.8, let me just quickly go there. Revelation 1 verse 8 says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Now, when, when your New Testament was written, what was the predominant language on the earth? Greek. Since Alexander the Great, Greek became the dominant language on the earth. Even though it was under Roman occupation, Greek was the language. Your New Testament is written in Greek. The first letter of the Greek alphabet is the letter Alpha. The last letter is Omega. But in the Hebrew, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph, and the last letter is the Tav. So when Jesus is speaking, He is saying, I am the Aleph Tav. But the translation comes out, after, okay, let's go to Revelation 22, verse 3. Revelation 22, verse 3. This is what it says. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So put that picture back up again. If you, we've put the picture back up again. In the beginning created God. Who is God? He is Aleph Taf. Who is God? He is Aleph Taf. In the beginning created God, the heavens and the earth. This is all the way through your Bible. In fact, in the book of Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, not only is it, is it splattered with, with Aleph Taf because it's a messianic uh, chapter about Jesus suffering. Surely he bore our griefs, took our transgression. By his stripes we were healed, Isaiah 53. But what's amazing is there's a code all the way through Isaiah 53 where if you go, if you count backwards every 26th letter, count backwards every 50th letter, that seven times through Isaiah 53 is my name is Yeshua. My name is Yeshua. My name is Jesus is, is, all, the way, is all the way through Isaiah 53. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing was created without Him. All things were created through Him, by Him and for Him. How does that affect you? I'm so glad you asked. Because the Bible says that when God created you and I, He created us in His image and in His likeness. The difference between man and the animal is that you were fashioned with a mouth. In fact, what's amazing, and this is what, what freaks me out, is, is before Moses wrote Genesis in Hebrew, before those letters up there were written by Moses, the ancient Chinese had already developed their language. And in the ancient Chinese, the symbol is still there today. The symbol for man is a mouth. The symbol for man is mouth. Because the, 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 the lies in our school says that you're a monkey that developed, that you are an animal. 99% of the DNA in, do you know you, you share 99% of the DNA with a lot of the animal kingdom? The devil's a liar because he wants you to get, get you to look back to animals 
Whereas the Bible says, God speaking, I will create man in my image and in my, he wants you looking down as opposed to looking up at what you can be, what you were called to be, what you ought to be, what your potential is. Because let me just tell you, the difference between you and a giraffe or a bull elephant or a rhinoceros is none of them can, can talk. None of them can speak. How do we know they can't? Because they don't create. Although, did you see that, that invention that those monkeys put? Exactly. Did you see no, no, the animal kingdom? They don't, they don't create anything. We've created planes and satellites and spaceships and mobile phones and vehicles. The, the creativity of man, because the creative and the word, the creative and the ability to speak go hand in hand. Avara kadavara means I create as I speak. I create as I speak. Now really quickly, let me give you three points. Number one, the original purpose. The original purpose of speech is not communication. Again, if you just, if you just try to, to feed off what they teach in college and university at the expense of the Scriptures, you will disable yourself. Because they will teach you, because they've rejected the Word of God, they will teach you that the purpose of speech is communication. The secondary objective of speech is to communicate the primary purpose of speech is to create. When God said, let there be light, He weren't talking to nobody. It was not a command. It was not a suggestion. It was not a requirement. It was not a charge. He said, let there be light. And light was. Then God said, let there be a firmament. And it was so. And God said, let the waters separate from the waters. And it was, let the seas be gathered into one place. And it was so. Let dry land appear. And it was so. And let the ground bring forth. And it was so. And let the animals come. And God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. What was God doing? Avarakadavra. 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 I create as I speak. I create as I speak. You and I were created in His image and His likeness to be His vice regents in the earth. So God creates man as the crown of His creation. And what God does is He puts a mouth. He puts an ability to speak that you and I can speak the Word of God. Point number two, death and life. Death and life. See, Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Watch this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it shall what? Eat its fruit. In other words, the fruit of your life is produced by the words of your mouth. The fruit of your life is produced by the words of your mouth. And I want you to notice it doesn't say life and death is in the power of the tongue. It says death and life. Because, because of Adam, the default position for humanity is to speak death. Why? Because we are now more in tune with our five senses than with our sixth sense with the Spirit. We, we mostly speak out of our sight, what we see, observe, what we hear, what we feel, touch, what we taste. That the five senses, 
dominate. And so we speak out of, man, I don't feel good. Man, I, just, I don't feel like I'm gonna get this job. Man, I'm just so outclassed. I'm so outmatched. Man, what do I, we, we live in the realm of the rationale, of the emotional. We live in the realm of the five senses. We don't realize it, but we have the power. We have avara kadavra. We, have the, we were designed to create as we speak, but we speak words of death. When we came to San Diego, they said to me, San Diego, don't know why you're going there. It's a preacher's graveyard. Do you know, Pastor, when you get to San Diego, in San Diego, there's no zoning for churches. So just forget about ever getting a building. Then they said to me, not only that, not only do you have to fight with the city to get a conditional use permit, a CUP, but on top of that, have you seen the price of real estate in San Diego? Number one, they don't want to let it go because they want their taxes. But number two, it's so expensive. How are you going to get the money? Just give up. But you know what? I made a decision that I'm not going to adopt the narrative. Listen. If I, if I become congruent with the narrative over my city, I lose my authority over it. You didn't even hear that, but let me just explain it. Let me explain it. Last week I preached a message called Prophesy in the Valley. David walked into a valley. We know that he walked into a valley, and a valley can be depression, it can be a low point, it can be, you know, you lost your job. Valley is just, it's a low place. It's a dark place. It's a difficult time. But as he walks into the valley, there is a giant there. And it's not just a giant. I mean, a giant, to meet a giant in a valley, you could maybe strike up a friendship. But this giant is not there to be his friend. This giant is there to take him out. So not only is he in a valley, but he's in a valley with an enemy who just happens to be a giant gets worse, doesn't get better. The giant is a warrior. The Bible says a champion from Gath went out from the camp of the Philistines saying, give me a man that we may. This man has no intention to befriend David, to be kind to David. He has one agenda, to kill David in his low point in his valley. This man is undefeated in battle. He's never lost a battle. David is in the valley walking towards him. The Bible teaches us that there is a narrative in the valley. The narrative is, give me a man that we may fight if he is able to defeat me, which has never happened before. Nobody has ever defeated me. But if somebody was to defeat me, we will be your servants. David, before he went into the battle, when, when Saul heard that somebody was willing to fight him because nobody wanted to take on the narrative, they rushed David to King Saul. And when King Saul looked at David, he was disappointed. So Saul, watch this, Saul gets the narrative of the valley, brings it into the palace, and then speaks it over David and says, you are not able to fight against this Philistine, for you are just a youth, and he's been a man of war from his youth. You are not able. David says, beg to differ your highness. He says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. One day a lion came and took one of the lambs, and I struck it, and I killed it. 
Another time a bear came, took one of the lambs and I struck it. When it dropped the lamb, it rose up against me and I grabbed it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. He says, the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the claws of the bear is the same God who'll be with me in this battle. But watch this. Saul puts his armor on him and he tries to walk, but he can't. He says, I can't. The devil's a lie. He wants you to believe that you've got to be somebody else to fulfill your destiny. That's another message. But David gets into the valley. And when he faces Goliath, the first thing David does, as we learned last week, was he prophesied. What was he doing? He was changing the narrative. He was avara kadavara. He was, I create as I speak. He says to the giant, you come against me with your sword and your spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose armies you have defied. And this day I will take your head from your shoulders and I'll feed your carcass to the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air so the whole world may know that there is a God in Israel and then he ran towards his giant. Can can I just encourage you? Can I tell you tonight that that you have the power in your mouth? You have the power in your mouth to bring death or to bring life. David wrote in the Psalms, put Lord, set a guard over my lips, but put put a watch over my tongue because David recognized I only want to speak life. I only want to speak life. Look at this. Moses was the first Harry Potter. He had a magic wand. He had a magic wand. He's doing magic tricks for Pharaoh. Turns into a serpent. Stick again. Strikes the, 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 the river Nile. Blood. Points it out. Frogs come up. Rabbit, rabbit, come up. He's got a magic wand. He's doing magic tricks with a magic wand. Joshua is the successor of Moses. God says to Joshua, be strong. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I'm going to give you. So Joshua's like, great, man, this is awesome. What a great day. Fantastic, all right. Do I get a magic wand? Where's my magic wand? And God's like, no, no, no magic wand for you. Oh, come on, God, that's not fair. Moses had a stick. Watch what God does. God does. Abracadabra. God says, Joshua, be strong and courageous and meditate in my word day and night. Do not ever let it depart from being in your mouth. Don't ever let it depart. Don't ever substitute it for the philosophies of men, the garbage and the claptrap that the false media, you put this word in your mouth. Don't let it depart. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Now, I know that Moses with the rod opened up a Red Sea, but you know what Moses never did? Moses never in the heat of a battle was able to say, man, if we only had a couple more hours of sunshine, we could wipe these guys out. And God says, well, knock yourself out. It's like, are you saying I can try it? Joshua stands in the middle of the battle and he looks up and he says, son, Stand still. And the Bible says the sun in the sky. And they're like, whoa. And there's like, go backwards. 
and the sun. Now, how many people know that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth? The earth and all of the planets in our solar system revolve around the sun. So it wasn't the sun that moved. It was our entire solar system. When he said sun stands still, all the planets stopped and then everything moved back. So they had ample time. He could go and sip a latte and then go back to the battle and they wiped out the enemy. Moses had a stick that could pass. But the word in his mouth, Jesus stands up and says, peace be still. And the wind and the sea, who is it? Jesus was modeling, I create as I speak. I create as I speak. I create as I speak. Number three, you are always prophesying. Number three, you are always prophesying. You are always prophesying. You know, Leanne and I have been married 27 years, 27 years. For me, 27 years of bliss. Leanne often says she would have got less for a double homicide, but 27 years of, it's quite an old joke. <clears throat> Many of you, of you have heard the story. I, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home and because I didn't grow up with a very functional family, in 1997, We'd been married five years. We had our, our beautiful little Geordie was about two and a half and Ash was just a newborn. And Leanne and I were fighting all the time. We, I, I was out six nights a week, every week, and we were underpaid. And so if, if, if there was an argument, it would often be about money, it would be around time, it would be around priorities, it would be around needs not being met. And so we were fighting continually. When I got married to Leanne on, our, on my wedding day, my mother-in-law pulled me aside and she says, throw out the parachute. And I'm like, got it. <laughs> what parachute? We don't have a parachute. She goes, no, no, the D word. I'm like, oh, of course, the D word. What's the D word? She's like, divorce. I'm like, oh. So in all of our years, I have never used the D word. Never made it an option, never made it a threat. I have never used the D word. Anyway, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> now here's the truth, a little caveat. I, I deserved, we, we were arguing, 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 and Leanne was fed up and rightfully so. Uh, I was part of a denomination that, if I was honest with you, was so mis misogynistic in, uh, in what it defined as leadership and the balance between a husband and wife. And so I remember Leanne being exasperated, said, that's it, I'm done. This is not what I signed up for. I'm going to call a divorce attorney. I'm out of here. And, uh, and I remember I had no, no recourse. I didn't know how to, how do you trump that? It's like divorce attorney? Like, oh, I'm going to call, I'm going to call it. The Pope! I mean, what do you, so, I mean, who do you, so, so all I knew was I said, right, that's it, I'm gonna go and pray. I'm gonna talk to God. And if I come back and you're covered in boils, it's judgment. You know, and so, so I, I, I go for a walk and, and you've heard the story and the whole objective of the walk is to throw my wife under the bus. That's the whole objective. And I mean, you can't start there with God. You know, you can't, because he's going to say, oh, if you're having a wine, go, but, you know. So I'm like, hey, God, how you doing? 
Oh, stupid question. You're God. Good. Always good. Always good. How am I doing? <laughs> Glad you asked. Hello. That woman you gave me, F, F. You know, and so, so I'm going through this whole thing. So then I just start, I start, you know, dropping all the, all the things about Leanne, you know, and embellishing, exaggerating, and, you know, and, you know just going through. <laughs> Finally, God kind of interjects and interrupts the whole, the whole process, and he goes, Jürgen, your wife is a product of your husbandry. What? Well, what did you just say? Your wife is a product of your husbandry. <sighs> it's my fault. And then he said, but what did I do for Adam before I gave him a wife? He said, you put him in a coma, <laughs> in a sleep, and then you pull out a rib. And God's like, yeah, before that. Well, the verse before that, you said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper. And then the next verse says, and God goes, wrong. I'm like, God, it's not wrong. He's like, wrong. I'm like, God, it's not. I said, God, let me, you know me. Every January, this year, God, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover. Every year, January 1, that's it, Genesis, devour it. But by March, those Levitical laws kill me every year. Every year I crash and burn in Leviticus. Thou shalt not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. What kind of sick people do stuff? Like? And so, you know, so I'm, but it kills me. The Levitical laws kill me every single year. I said, but if there's one book I've read, it's Genesis. And this is what it says, God. And God's like, wrong, go and read. I'm like, I'm not neat. I know it. And God goes, read it. So I'm like, right, just to prove a point. Hey, you put that in there. He said it was always in there. So the Bible says, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The next verse is not. So he caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, took out a rib and made the woman. That's not the next verse. That's two verses later. The verse straight after that is avracadavra. The verse straight after that is he brings all the animals to Adam. Watch this to see what Adam would call them. To see what Adam would name them. And whatever Adam named the animals, that's what they became. In the Hebrew, whatever Adam named the animals, that was the nature that they took on. Then he causes Adam to fall asleep and pulls out a rib. And God said to me, son, before I gave Adam the privilege of a spouse, I had to teach him the power of his mouth. He says, and Jürgen, you are reaping the fruit of the words of your mouth. And then he began to show me as only God can do. And I wanted to say, stop the tape, stop the tape, stop the tape. Where I was name calling and blaming and labeling stupid, insubordinate. And I was going through all of these things and God was holding him up as a mirror. And I felt so, and I remember walking home and you, you you know, you know when the light's on inside the house, but it's pitch black outside, glass can be like a mirror because you can't see out because it's black, but you can, well, but if you're on the outside, you can see in. And I remember just walking and looking and there was my beautiful Leanne at the kitchen sink, just putting stuff together. And, and you know, her hair wasn't, her, she'd been crying because we'd just been fighting. She's had two little babies. She's moved at 17 from another nation to be 
this jack wagon's wife, all this pressure on ministry, all this continual sacrifice. Sacri and I walked in, I said, baby, I said, you need to understand God spoke to me. I am so sorry. And I told her what God said. And I said, I promise I'm going to change. And she believed me 18 months later. It took me 18 freaking months to convince her. But I'm telling you, I had an encounter with God. And God was teaching me, Avra Kadavra. He was teaching me that you create as you speak. See, most men would idolize the Proverbs 31 woman. Oh, I want a Proverbs 31 woman. The ultimate goal, the ultimate woman is a Proverbs. But you know, in verse 28, it says this. It says, her children rise and call her blessed. Children don't rise. I'm not sure if you've got teenagers. Children do not rise and call mama blessed when they walk in. So that means dad has trained those kids. He has created a culture in the home. Now you can't create a culture you don't model. The Bible says the husband also. So it means he leads by example. But, but watch this, it goes one step further. And he praises her. What does he praise her? In inverted commas, he says, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. No wonder this woman is so confident. No wonder this woman is so brilliant. No wonder this woman is so magnificent. The husband has created an atmosphere in the home where even the children rise and call her blessed. The father has said, nobody dishonest. I've got three sons. And each of them took a moment or took a season in their pushing on boundaries to decide that they were going to disrespect mama. At that point, at that point, she is no longer just their mama, she's my wife. And at that point, I had to stand and push against the wall, one of them, push against and said to him, you will not speak to my bride like that. And I remember his eyes, the realization, oh shoot, she's not just my mama who's been there and changed my diapers and got me McDonald's when, uh oh shoot, that's daddy's girlfriend, that's daddy's. And dad right now is, I'm sorry, dad, I'm sorry. There's a, there's a culture, there's an environment. The world that we live in is created by the words that God spoke. The world that you live in is created by the words that you speak. No wonder the Bible says, choose life. The Bible says, choose life. You are not left without power. You have literally Abracadabra, you create as you speak. Watch this, I've got to finish. I know I'm over time. i got to finish. God gave you His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. Joshua, God said to Joshua, son, you don't need a magic wand. All you need to do is fill your mouth with this Word and let it out. When the devil came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, Three times he attacked Jesus. Three times Jesus whooped him. How did he do it? He didn't have a magic wand. Avracadavra. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. The devil wants this out of schools. The devil doesn't want this in our colleges. He doesn't want it in society. He doesn't want Frankie teaching it on a Friday night or soon to be a Wednesday night. He, he, he doesn't want this word in your mouth. Because you know why? Because Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endureth forever. The word always come, overcomes. The word never returns to God empty. It always accomplishes that for which He sends it forth. God watches over His word to perform it. Make a decision tonight. Avracadavra, I create as I speak. Get the word of God and begin to speak it. Begin to speak it, begin to speak it. I couldn't be more proud of my beautiful wife.
We've been married 27 years. And I've got to tell you, I am more in love with her today than when we were first courting. And when I was first courting, I was besotted by her. And I thought, well, you know, it's easy. She's beautiful. But I swear, I swear, when I look at her today, she is like seven times, maybe 10 times, maybe a thousand more beautiful than when we were courting. And I'm like, man, if I'm in a delusion, don't wake me. She's only gotten more beautiful, gotten more brilliant, but I made the decision. God said to me, what kind of a wife do you want? I said, I want a princess. He said, when was the last time you called her princess? He says, what kind of a wife do you want? I said, well, I, you know, I, I want a woman who's passionate about ministry. He goes, when was the last time you spoke? When was it? She is passionate about ministry. She is a princess. Now, let me just tell you guys, caveat, it's expensive to have a princess. So be careful what you ask for. It's expensive. Okay. But to see the anointing, to see the prophetic, to see the ministry, there are moments where she ministers where I am just gobsmacked at the privilege that I get to do life with her. I get to be married to her. Are you kidding me? But everything shifted. Same girl. The only thing that changed was I had an encounter with God where He taught me abracadabra. Come on, if you receive something tonight, give God a clap. Give God a clap. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.